This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. Not quite, but almost. Good Wednesday afternoon, everybody. You're listening to On Target. I'm your host, Ben Murphy, sitting in for the wonderful Linda Swain, who is hopefully enjoying some well-earned time off. I am super excited for this conversation we're going to have this afternoon because one, it's been a long time coming. Two, it's an important conversation to have. It might get a little uncomfortable here and there, but you know what? We got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? So three, I've also witnessed some of what we're going to talk about firsthand. I've watched our next guest persevere through just about everything, and he still continues to do what he can to try and help others. Miguel Jones did most of his growing up in Cornerbrook. He's an adoptee from Vietnam. Miguel recently started a blog called Miguel's World. It features a range of topics from his world, including, but not limited to, life experiences with racism as an Asian Canadian, life coping with the autoimmune disease lupus, life as an adoptee, health and fitness, and his passion for all things food related. Miguel Jones is my on-target guest this afternoon. Miguel, good afternoon, and thank you for joining us. Good afternoon, man. Thank you for having me. So, Miguel, let's start right at the beginning. Tell our listeners and audience just a bit about yourself. Uh, as Ben said, uh, my name is uh, Miguel Jones. Uh, I spent most of my time growing up in in Cornerbrook. Uh, before that, I was in Blancablon, Quebec, um, adopted from Vietnam. Uh, a bit about myself, I I played a lot of hockey. Most of my childhood was spent around hockey and uh, training, fitness, and uh, you know, uh, sorts of stuff like that. Yep, that's that's. Uh... Continue. Um, <laughs> other than that, I, I went to school at the University of Brunswick. I uh, I graduated engineering, and I'm currently here in Corbrook working. So, Miguel, you started this blog called Miguel's World, and as I just mentioned, you know, covering a lot of different topics. So what can you tell us about this blog and, and the kind of writing people will see when they head over to Miguel's World? So the blog is, is it's, we want to educate, I want to educate people on impacts of, of their actions. So what you're going to see in the blog is a variety of different situations that I've been in and different topics, but... The goal is to show the impacts that uh, people's actions can have on someone. So specifically, this is all to me. And hopefully, uh, through each post, I'm trying to show how we could be better. So it's it's uh, it's an educational platform, but it's it's very impactful. So yeah, that's what you'd see. Yep. Uh, based on different different topics like anti-racism, uh, lupus, and uh, my my life as an adoptee as well. So where did this idea come from? What prompted you to start this blog? Um, I guess it, it all kind of came through reflection with, uh, with my partner, Shaylin, and I kind of, through reflecting, I was kind of seeing where my passions laid, where our conversations were, were centered around. And I guess as I started talking and, and realizing where I was at and a lot of the topics that I was coming back to was, was my difficulties with racism was, was a big one, as well as 
the, diff- the the life coping with autoimmune disease, which is a constant battle as well, and um, being an adoptee. Miguel, what kind of difficulties came with trying to get this off the ground, if any? I mean, I, I guess it's a lot of stress of how how to start. There's no there, there's no handbook, right? So um, the stress of like, how am I going to do this? And uh, I guess when you start telling people to, you, you're telling everyone, and everyone's kind of curious. So it's the pressures of outside as well. Um, so the difficulties were were starting, and I guess that that keeps going, right? You when you're starting that first post was a lot of stress as well, and and just ongoing, just trying to figure out, trying to, you're trying to navigate through something that's not that's very unique to to myself, and uh, yeah, so that's that's a lot of difficulty starting, and and finding my purpose is the biggest thing. Uh, like I said, like there there is no handbook, so you're. Which with each post, I I need to be able to see a positive as opposed to just a story that is, is very um, impactful. I also need to know that at the end of each story that I could show some sort of education where where people could can change and hopefully make a more inclusive environment. And uh, I guess other other difficulties I had was, you know, you're, you're putting yourself out there a lot. You're, you're being extremely vulnerable and, and telling a lot of your stories. And um, I like to say most of my feedback is very positive, but I guess adjusting to uh, negative feedback was, was a big hurdle for myself. Um, uh, the negative feedback is, uh, I guess, the, I like to say they're very vocal on, on some of the feedback I get and adjusting to, to receiving this feedback was, was a big difficulty for myself. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned putting yourself out there because I was going to ask, you know, how challenging it is to, one, just write about these different issues that can be quite difficult and, and you know, really take you back to some difficult times as well. But then actually going through and pressing that publish button for the world to really see it. And did you feel that stress kind of alleviate a bit once that first one went out there? Um, I guess there was some stress, but I still have that 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 little bit of stress when you hit that publish button. Right. It uh I mean, putting yourself out there is always there's always that stress. I find like naturally, I'm a I'm an introverted person, and, and some people that have just met me kind of uh, are a bit surprised. But people that have known me for my most of my life would would definitely say I'm an introvert. And putting your blog out there would be an extrovert thing to do. So I guess some of the stress that I have and I, I am adjusting to is a big big change, right? Putting myself out there. So. Uh, the, the adjustment I have sometimes when you post, right, uh, there's a little bit of, uh, I don't know a better word, probably withdrawal. I kind of feel like, oh, my God, you know, my a lot of my personal stories are out there. But I guess at the end of the day, the impact and the positive feedback that I get by putting myself out there weighs all those stresses of, of, uh, of being extremely vulnerable, I guess. Yeah. And Miguel... Do you have any examples of, of racism that you've experienced that maybe aren't as outward and blatant and flagrant as some others have been in the past? The kind of thing that some or many might not see as racism or, or might not understand why something is considered to be racist or could be to some? If that makes sense? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so what you're describing are microaggressions. So yes. they are – the definition is slight that are – unintentional or intentional towards a marginalized group. 
So I guess one of the things I did write about, and it seems very, it seems very uh, unintentional and innocent, but uh, one of the posts I wrote about, it's called, Where Are You Really From? And I guess for someone like me, like I said, I grew up in Cornerbrook. I've been here for 16 years. So the the slight that I receive a lot that might, may seem innocent is where are you from? Where are you really from? Where or someone that I've never met is very interested in where I am from. And the where the line is crossed is when, when someone, uh, when a member of the BIPOC community, when they tell you that you are from a certain place, when you, when you tell them that they're, so for me it would be, I'm from Cornerbrook. And when I'm pressed to tell them a different answer than what they are accepting is when it becomes uh, a microaggression, when it becomes, uh, it's against me because of the way I look, the, the color of my skin. So I guess what, what I try to, to get a positive situation is through education. So I always ask in these situations, it's why. So why are you pressing me? So uh, I guess it's always important to challenge people because, like I said, it's it's it is it can be very innocent and it's unintentional and in, it's unintentional a lot of the times. It can be intentional, but from my experience, microaggressions are that the, the experience that I have with microaggressions are mainly uh, unintentional, and people have have no idea what what just happened until. I'm the one dealing with it, type thing. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a great point because how big of a component is education in all of this and trying to create that change that you are? Education is, is a big, big part. I think um, I, I wouldn't be writing unless I knew and I had like a purpose, a vision that I could impact people uh, to, to change the way they, they – so in this sense, microaggression, how they approach – people and where they're from and and uh, yeah education is is a big big part of why i'm writing yeah we're going to take a quick break here on on target and when we come back we continue this conversation with miguel jones we're talking about anti-racism miguel's blog miguel's world we're also going to be chatting 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 about let me try that again we're going to be chatting about adoption and also miguel's work with lupus newfoundland and labrador we'll be back on on target after these join us for on target one hour in which linda swain examines topics that mean the most to you on target weekday afternoons at one on your vocm yeah, welcome back to On Target. I'm Ben Murphy, guest hosting for VOCM's Linda Swain this afternoon. We're speaking with Miguel Jones. Miguel writes his own blog, is an adoptee, and lives with lupus. We're going to cover all of those things. But, Miguel, before the break, we were speaking about your blog. That blog, Miguel's World, has opened up some doors for you recently, getting the opportunity to speak and present at places like Memorial University and classes at the high school in Cornerbrook. So, Miguel, first off, just take us back to your presentation at Munn's Grenfell Campus. What exactly did you discuss there? Yeah, so, I guess, just to backtrack one second, um, this opportunity was, was presented to me after I wrote um, where are you really from was about microaggressions and someone at Grenfell seen it and felt they were really impacted and I uh, was approached to speak at the multicultural show with Grenfell campus about um, about anti-racism and I chose to talk about um, unconscious biases and their impacts so um, 
I talked about uh, the biases that I felt and how it makes people feel, uh, mainly the impacts of uh, alienating someone in their home where they feel like they belong. And uh, I guess a bit of impacts on my self-identity and self-belonging and and stuff like that but uh it was a great it was a great speech i was uh extremely nervous uh speaking in front of a very very big crowd uh but uh no it was overall it was a very positive experience and i'm very glad to do it and a similar question but you also spoke at your former high school cornerbrook regional high a few weeks back what was that like for you and going back to the high school to speak to students but also the place where you you know experienced some of that racism and bullying that you've written about yeah, it was uh, it was a good ex- it was a really great experience. Uh, again, I was posting, and someone at the school seen what I was doing and felt that I was uh, it would be important for the students to hear from a fellow uh, a graduate and uh, the impacts of uh, racism on mental health. But uh, no, it was it was a very 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 positive experience. Um, I went in and I, I presented. Uh, my blog and some of the experiences that I've I've encountered, um, but the other students were very receptive and very engaged, and uh, I was very happy with the experience uh, to uh, to go and speak with them. And you've also posted about different people you've run into from the past and and in your life who you grew up with and chatting with them now and and they talk about the impacts that reading your blog has had on them. What does it mean to you when you're reassured by people like that, that you are making an impact and that, you know, the work you're doing is really going somewhere and making a difference? It, it, it means the world. And like I said, uh, I don't, I guess as a writer, you don't hear about all the impacts. You, you like to think you're making impact. So it is, it is great to hear um, when people, uh, People are reading what you're doing, and they, they take the time out of their day to approach you to let you know um, how much impact they're having. And I, I guess I could roll back to one of the uh, encounters I had. I was I was out, and um, somebody uh, from my high school actually uh, approached me and said that uh, he wanted to reassure me that I am making an impact and uh, um, that people in his surrounding have seen uh, what I was doing, and uh, he's actually a, a teacher. So uh, the students uh, approached him and decided that they wanted to write about something that impacted them, and they showed up with uh, one of uh, one of my interviews, and they wanted to write about. It. And that was a uh, that was a very uh, impactful moment for me. I was I was actually very took back and, and humbled by the situation. And is that a big driver for you now to keep going? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. It's uh, it's it's hard to explain the sense of the sense of making a difference and, and thinking of uh, one of the main reasons why I wanted to write. I think about the situations that I've been in and the the emotions that came along with it, and to know and to know that maybe people that are going through the same situations aren't feeling as alone because of what I'm doing is it's it's amazing. Miguel, I want to switch gears a little bit now because you mentioned early on how sports was a big part of your life growing up and whether it was hockey, soccer, or 
really anything else because you were very active playing all these sports. And we know back when, because, you know, we played together and I witnessed some of it firsthand. And even now, racist and vulgar incidents are still happening in sports, with a few coming to light in hockey in recent months. And we also hear a lot about hockey culture and how that needs an overhaul. In your eyes, how can sports, hockey, basketball, soccer, whatever, be more accepting? Um. I think it's all through allyship and, and educating yourself on, on what, what is, is going on and how uh, BIPOC members are, are feeling. And uh, I think it's, it's educating yourself and being more inclusive and, and understanding what, what is acceptable and what isn't. And, and, uh, and with organizations, which I see, I see more and more of, uh, when, when these incidents do happen, um, I've noticed that the reactions from organizations are uh, quicker and uh, less. These incidents are less tolerated, so that is that is great to hear. So, I guess just a, a an overall education of everything that's going on and, and a zero tolerance policy to to anything of a racist nature would be uh, what I would think. Yeah. And what kind of challenges and issues like these ones we're talking about did you face growing up in sports? I know I saw some of them firsthand. I heard some of them firsthand. But from your own experience? Um, I guess the the last blog post, I do talk about uh, a situation that happened when I was on the ice and um, you know, an opposing player uh, uttered a racial slur in the middle of a hockey game, and uh, there was nothing really done about it. And I I know that it was heard because it was talked about during the hockey game, and it was talked about after the hockey game. So uh, those are that's one of the experiences I've heard. And uh, to to go back to to allyship, you know, it's a matter of you know taking action in situations like this. Uh, whether they're they're small or big, um, but uh, other other uh, scenarios uh, I've seen I've, I've experienced uh, racial slurs from from the audience playing sports. I've heard that before as well, and you know they're not great situations. And, and just to push more allyship, and in a lot of these situations, I was I was very alone. There wasn't there was no one. No one did anything. I didn't do anything. I just had to deal with these situations alone. So I guess um, I think allyship is everything uh, going forward. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then microaggressions as well So uh, are, are very big. Uh, again, uh, I guess I'm just coming back to circling back to pushing allyship. Yeah, and, and Miguel, I, I remember the instance you're talking about, and I remember the lack of, of action pretty well right across the board and that's from myself included and and you know at the time at the young age not really realizing either the impacts that those words had at the time but now looking back at it you know it it is a completely different situation and uh you know you instantly have those regrets of oh why didn't i step up and do something different and why didn't i speak up and and why didn't i try to do a little bit more here or there but i guess it comes back to what you were saying about that allyship and you know that it's is it fair to say better late than never? And, you know, even trying to change habits now and stepping in and stepping up now and trying to use your voice in different areas is still very helpful, even when you can look back at those times and kind of regret not speaking up. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And it goes back to education, right? So Exactly. 
people that have been there, and, and I want I want everyone to read it. People that are going through situations, as well as, as people that were there, and they could see what what the impacts had on me. And and um, any allyship is great, and an allyship now is great. And, and and a lot of people were didn't do very much that day, so um, I don't want. I guess it comes back to I don't want my struggles to be lost without. Uh, something to be done, and I think I think it it if I could take a positive through through my struggles, that that means a lot as well. And it, that's that's kind of another another goal of the of the blog is to uh, create uh, some sort of awareness or, or positive impact through uh, a lot of negativity that I felt growing up. Yeah, and on that note. You know, speaking of some of the negative experiences you've you've gone through in sports, but did sports also kind of help you through some tough times as well growing up? Yeah, I've I've sports have given me a lot. I, I don't want to to uh, talk to uh, always negative about sports, but I've I've learned a lot about sports. I've I've got lifelong friends through sports. I've I have uh, people that I can that can I can count on for support. Uh, now uh, and they were i've met all of them through sports i've i've i'm an active person i'm healthy and that's all uh thanks to thanks to sports and and yeah no i think uh i guess sports has helped me and to go back to your question was uh through the people that i've met all the people that i've met have supported me through uh through my blog and other uh, other things that i've went through in my life and uh yeah no that's we're speaking with Miguel Jones on On Target. We've been talking about his anti-racism blog, Miguel's World. When we come back, we're speaking about adoption. We'll be right back on On Target after these. You're busy, but you'll never be uninformed. Get up to date on the way home. The Drive on your VOCM. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to On Target on your VOCM. I'm Ben Murphy sitting in for Linda Swain today. We're speaking with Miguel Jones. We've been talking a lot about his anti-racism blog, Miguel's World. But now we're going to switch gears to another important topic, adoption. So Miguel, first off, can you share your own adoption story with our listeners? Yep. Um, so I was adopted as a baby uh, from Vietnam, uh, northern the northern province of Nam Han, Vietnam. Um, I was adopted as a as a eight month old is when I left, and we um, we moved to Blanche uh, Blanc, Quebec, which is the border of Labrador and Quebec, uh, the Lower North Shore, and after that, uh, Cornerbrook. And Miguel, why is adoptees telling their own story and being heard so important? Um, so advocacy for adoptees is mainly centered around telling your own story because um, traditionally um, uh, the stories of adoption are told from people that are close to adoption, uh, parents, uh, siblings, or, or aunts and uncles, or anyone uh authors but uh, yeah so the main thing is to get adoptees to tell your own story because uh, there seems to be a uh, there's a an idea that every adoption um, is a check of the box where everything's great and I'm not saying that my experience as adoption an adoptee has been amazing but the problem is is that if you assume that every single adoption is great you're taking away from 
experiences about these that maybe doesn't have a positive experience like I've had. And Miguel, when speaking about things like adoption, what about words like real? And when people ask, you know, quote, who are your real parents? You wrote about that in one of your blogs. Why is that offside? Um, so the word, the reason why the word real is uh, offensive, it's mainly offensive to adopted parents because the opposite of real would be fake. And it kind of, it takes away from all the efforts and and everything that an adoptive parent um, has done and continues to do for for their uh, for their adoptees. So that would be that would be a reason why uh, the word "real" is is uh, very offensive. I would use words as uh, uh, birth birth parents um, or adopted parents, or uh, or you could just say parents. Those words would be uh, a lot more acceptable than. Um, been real why is being mindful of the questions you ask people whether it's about adoption or you know other issues we've talked about so far this afternoon so crucial now more than ever i guess from the from the adoptive standpoint is it's for people that are non-adopted regular normal like questions like um, about your your physical traits your family tree stuff like that or or Anything genetic and stuff like that, those are questions that are very uh, trivial for people that are non-adopted. And I guess for someone that is adopted, uh, we don't always have the answers. So I guess it's for questions like that, it's to make sure you're mindful that those questions can be very tough on an adoptee, especially if they don't have the answers. But even if they have the answers, it can still be very tough. So I guess... What I'm trying to say is to make sure you understand that something that could be very uh, easy for you to answer for an adoptee can be extremely difficult, and it's not always, uh, I guess it's not always welcomed, is what I'm trying to say, yeah. And Miguel, not to put the pressure on here or anything, but when can we expect another blog post? That's a, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not completely sure. It's a, it's a process. I have... Uh, uh, I like to. I keep a, a big note in my uh, on my phone of, of things that I would like to write about, but uh, I, I'm not completely sure, man. All right, but we do look forward to the next one. But Miguel, what's that process like? You know, when you get the idea, then you got to sit down and try and find the words, and then fine tune it before you do finally hit that publish button. Um, well, I just said that the process is uh, always. I have a note. A note of my in my phone of, of things that I would like to write about, and uh, I guess the process is getting in a quite a quiet area, and I like to uh, start with bullet points, and then the the ideas are running through my head for a bit, and I guess I always try to tell the story, uh, like tell the situation, show the impacts, and the big part is to make sure that. I can give a positive uh, takeaway uh, to the stories, and uh, yeah, and it, and it can also get it can also get emotional depending on the topic where you're you're bringing up and you're diving in deep to situations that that were, I guess, uh, lack of a better way of saying, buried uh, things that you don't really talk about on the everyday uh, uh, everyday uh, yeah. 
I guess it's a, it's a bit of everything, yeah. We're speaking with Miguel Jones on On Target. We're going to take our final break of the afternoon. When we come back, we're going to speak about some of the work Miguel is doing with Lupus, Newfoundland, and Labrador. We'll be right back right after these. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. Welcome back to the program. You're listening to On Target. I'm Ben Murphy sitting in for Linda Swain this afternoon. We've been talking a whole bunch of different topics throughout the afternoon but now our final topic may is lupus month in canada we've been speaking with miguel jones about his anti-racism blog and adoption but miguel also lives with lupus so miguel for those who may not know what exactly is lupus so um, lupus is an autoimmune disease where um, autoimmune means your own body your own immune system is attacking its own healthy tissues so it can affect any any uh, part of your body, uh, major organs uh, like joints, skin, kidneys, blood cells, brain, heart and lungs. But for me, it, it attacked my blood cells. As a, as a young boy, it attacked my white blood cells, which keep you healthy from uh, infection. And later on, it uh, was my platelets. Um, so it attacked, uh, that's your ability to uh, stop from bleeding. Um, as well as there's all, all kinds of symptoms that uh, lupus uh, patients deal with as well. So how does it impact you on a day-to-day basis? So I guess for me, it, it's, it's, it's always changing. But uh, my biggest symptom is fatigue, where I could be functioning very well. Um, I describe it as your body completely shutting down and chronic chronic fatigue, um, other symptoms like uh, light sensitivity, um, joint pain is, uh, is a big one where uh, I think for me it's my ankles and my shoulders and my back. Sometimes uh, I, could, I could be fine and then uh, those parts of my joints uh, would completely swell up and I can't really uh, uh, move very well. Um, another thing is uh, lupus fog or a brain fog, they call it, where it, uh, the best way to describe it, it's kind of like if you're laying down for so long and you get up really quick where your your head's kind of foggy, but uh, that would last, for me, it usually lasts a few hours. That comes, that happens randomly. Um, another thing that I deal with uh, on occasion are uh, headaches and migraines. That happens sometimes where then I would, I would need to lie down or uh, take a Tylenol or something to help with, with those symptoms. Um, those are like the frequent, frequent uh, symptoms that I deal with, but uh, it, lupus is different for any, every patient, and there's, there are much more symptoms that, uh, that uh, people deal with as well. And why are these months like Lupus Awareness Month so important? Um. It's, I guess the word awareness is, it's thrown around a lot, but for someone like, for like me with, with lupus, when, when you're going through a hard time and people are not aware of what you're going through, it, it has a huge impact on, on me as, as a, as a lupus patient. When people actually understand and look up or educate themselves on, on what a lupus patient is going through. Um, so the month of May is is Lupus Awareness Month, and the goal is uh, for heightened awareness, heightened education, 
uh, fundraising, everything to do with lupus. Um, so yeah, it's an increased awareness, but I, I just wanted to share the, the impacts of, of race, uh, not racism, um, awareness, um, where, where for someone, when I know somebody understands what I'm going through or actually takes the time to look it up, uh, it, it does mean a lot for, for people that are going through these, uh, uh, these autoimmune diseases for people to try to understand what they're going through. Now, Miguel, you're also raising money through a Tele10 fundraiser, all in support of Lupus, Newfoundland, and Labrador. Where did that idea come from? What sparked you to want to do that? So I will give all the credit to my partner, Shaylin. Um, she was uh, actually volunteering at last year's um, Tele10, and she brought it up to, to me for us to enter uh, together uh, as a... Uh, uh, together as a team and uh, to uh, do the run, uh, uh, it was a great idea. And we we've been we've been training very hard since January. And only uh, I'm not sure, probably about a month or two ago, um, running is is completely new to to us. So uh, I, I noticed that um, a lot of people that run uh, marathons or half marathons or any any run that they're doing, they they do it for a cause and. Um, obviously, I, I'm a lupus patient. Uh, I felt that it would be a, a great idea to uh, also run not only for for us and and for for a challenge, and we could also do it for um, lupus Newfoundland Labrador. Um, but yeah. How's the training going so far? Uh, it's an adjustment. <laughs> uh, I, I am not a long distance runner, um, but. Uh, I've been working very hard, and I guess I'm happy with how the progress is going. But like I said, we we started we started training very early in January, and it is May now, and we've we've a lot of progress, but uh, a long long road. But I am very happy with where we are at right now. Miguel, what's the goal for the fundraiser in support of Lupus Newfoundland and Labrador? The like the monetary goal, yeah. or the um, I'm not sure. I, I just uh, left it as the default goal. I think it's uh, 500 right now, okay. but um, I'm not. I don't have a, a, a set monetary goal. But again, uh, through awareness, and I reached out to Lupus Newfoundland Labrador, and they were they were very excited to to have our support in, in this run. Yeah, and what's your relationship like with Lupus Newfoundland and Labrador? If you don't mind me asking. Um, Great, actually. Uh, so I I want I uh, I was awarded the uh, Lupus Newfoundland scholarship back in 2000, and I want to say 17. Uh, no, it was two. Yeah, two, I think it was 2017. Yeah. So I was awarded the uh, the uh, the provincial scholarship for that year, um, and I was in contact with Lupus Newfoundland Labrador, Lupus Newfoundland Labrador, uh, and I've just. Since then, I've always participated in their fundraising. Obviously, during COVID, things were a bit slow, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's been great. I'm I'm in I'm in contact with them uh, periodically, especially more now than than ever with with this fundraiser. And Miguel, if people are listening and want to contribute to this fundraiser on behalf of Lupus Newfoundland and Labrador, how can they contribute? Um, we are doing everything through GoFundMe, where we we can. Uh, do the fundraiser directly to Lupus Newfoundland Labrador. Um, I guess if you go on Lupus, uh, not Lupus, uh, GoFundMe and search uh, Tele10 Miguel Jones, uh, it should be fairly easy to find. 
And Miguel, just one final plug for the blog. How can people find it? Um, it's the link is uh, Miguel's World Online, or it's a uh, fairly easy to find through Google. If you just type in uh, Miguel's World blog, should be fairly easy to find through Google as well. Well, Miguel Jones, I thank you for your time and joining me here on On Target for the last hour covering a variety of topics from your anti-racism blog to adoption and finally lupus. Miguel Jones, thank you very much for this. Thank you for having me. Well, just like that, my time is up. That's it for me here on On Target. Ricky Duggan. Back tomorrow afternoon on On Target, sitting in for Linda Swain.